All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur. And no one's going to silence him, especially on Friday night when he has his big show. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Hi, Danny. Hey, what's How up? How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking each day as it comes. Uh-huh. And yeah, man, just a lot like Kyrie. What's it like to be just a white man in his late 20s out there in the world right now? Uh, I'm getting angry emails from Sixers PR as we speak, but continue. That, that's neither here nor there. I'm not kidding. <laughs> can Can Maxi fill the shoes? I don't know. I think it sounds like those boys are making up. Ben Simmons wants to get paid. <gasps> well, let me let me take you behind the curtain a little bit, and we are going to talk about Ben Simmons. Uh, we had uh, we had Doc Rivers on the radio today. And he okay. didn't really say much, but we put the clip out there. Sixers mm-hmm. PR, none too pleased. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, yeah. that's why they're emailing you. Yeah. Yeet. Anyway. Well, just dump it on me, Denny. <laughs> Remember, I nothing at stake in the sports world. <laughs> say it was my fault. Hey, I let the guy from the tune-up run the Twitter account today. <laughs> I'll take it for you, bud. I got you. I love that. Thank you very much. But what's but yeah, up, dude? Big yeah, show. Show on Friday. I've been playing every day trying to get the wrist and forearm sharp for the big gig uh you know it's one of those times i i have a little bit i gotta be honest denny maybe you can help me work through this i got a little bit of like imposter syndrome right now Mm. you know i've just been dadding it up so long not in these environments you know like sometimes you gotta get yourself in kind of a interesting headspace to be able to like go on stage and do stuff like and feel confident about it you know it's like uh so right now i have a hard time seeing this this uh dad bod (laughs) and the kind of stuff i've been doing going (laughs) up there so this week has been a normally like you know as i'm preparing for this stuff if i'm nervous at all my approach is over preparation you know i feel like if i can at least get my body in tune with the songs where they're like second nature. Even if I physically feel off, I can get through the show and it feels fine, you know, or not feels fine, but seems fine to Mm. the people out there. But, uh, so I've been doing that. And like, do you know those like scenes in 30 rock where like Jack Donaghy's like talking (laughs) to himself in the mirror, like you're, your mommy's strong boy, you know? <laughs> so I'm half half boosting myself up, trying to get ready for the gig. I want to have fun, too. Yeah, of you course. Know? Like, I want to stay in the moment and enjoy the night. I think once I get there, you know, you get your drums set up, you see the see the vibe and start talking to people. And, you know, then then I'll probably loosen up about it. But right now, I got a, I got a ball in my stomach, man. That's right. Well, if I you never get over this, never get over yeah. it. Well, if you're nervous, I can't imagine how opening act Michael Imperioli is feeling. You know, they don't play too many shows, so this is kind of a big thing for him, you know? I I mean, yeah, that's where I get to see firsthand if Michael Imperioli is Christopher Moltisanti or not. Because <laughs> I feel like Christopher would get pretty nervous, you yeah. know, and he would, like, maybe do a bunch of drugs and, like, <laughs> kind of, like, have to hype himself up to get on stage, but... It seems like this guy's not about that. I checked his Instagram. He's into <laughs> Buddhism and stuff, you know? So well, I, well, we'll see that one firsthand. I'm a little terrified to meet him, though. What do I say? <laughs> whenever you have anxiety about a show, it may not be stage fright that I have, but whenever I get pee fright, I sing uh-huh. Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls by TLC, and all of my anxiety melts away. <laughs> so there you go. So that's the trick. Yeah, me? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just TLC. Just take it to TLC town. <laughs> All right. It's a good tune. Uh, well, we have plenty of good tunes coming up today. Plenty of great stories. And you know what's our favorite tune? When you hear Africa by Toto, sung by Straight No Chaser in this day music history. You're like the new Stretch and Bobito, like in one. <laughs> Look at that, a mixologist. <laughs> I'm trying. On this day in 2006, I forgot it was so recent, you know, Patty Smith played the last show at CBGB's, closing down the celebrated Manhattan Music Club. It closed after a extended, and I can vouch for that being a firsthand observer, extended dispute between the club owner, Healy Crystal and the, or Crystal and the Bowery Residence Committee. 
So rock, it says in the thing, rock fans try to preserve the building as a historical landmark, but those efforts fail and a men's clothing store moves in, which I have been to. They sell like $700 Clash t-shirts. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they kept one of the walls of CBGB's up if nobody's ever been there. So you have one section with the original flyering and postering and as someone who who attended those shows, that was almost the coolest part was like you couldn't touch the walls at CBGB's because there was just like layers and layers and layers of things that had been put on the walls over the years and years. But, you know, like I said, as someone who lived close to CBGB's and went to CBGB's a lot, when it finally ended, it was almost like, okay, finally, like this is going to happen because this literally followed like, decades of maybe not decades but a decade of hey save cbgb's show you know where they would do this big one and everybody got really excited the first time and then the same thing kind of started happening for a long time in this dispute between the owner and the you know residence committee whoever that was made up of just lasted so long and by the it's almost when like you know uh when you're a kid and like, you know, your, your parents are fighting so much and they they finally get divorced. You're like, fine, <laughs> good. You know? So it was a little strange experience when it happened, but I had some excellent memories at CBGB's. I got to play there a couple times and, uh, seeing it as, as merely a, uh, overpriced, uh, microwave food cafe at the airport rather than one of the greatest venues in America is sad. I heard there's one in Vegas now, too. Oh, how about that? All right, so for my This Day Music History, on this day, 1960, the Beatles and two members of uh, Rory Storm's Hurricanes uh, recorded a version of George Gershwin's Summertime in, ha- in a Hamburg recording mm. studio. Uh, the track was then cut onto a 78 RPM disc, and, and that marked the first session that included John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo all together. Wow. That's a big day. That's a huge day in 1960. And I wonder why you chose that, I, I, Captain I no Segway. Idea. I have no idea. You know, oh, maybe, hmm. m- maybe sometimes, Benny, you've got to get back to go forward. It's as eh? if someone here went eh? to journalism school, you know? <laughs> oh, we try to keep it moving. Try to keep it smooth. Try to be like James Brown up here conducting right. it. Um, so, Benny, our first headline today uh, this week, the trailer for Get Back, the Beatles documentary directed by Oscar winner Peter Jackson, was released. And I got to say, this trailer was better than I thought. I was already excited about this project, but this trailer has everything. Not to be Stefan from SNL here, but uh, the doc has been uh, created from almost 60 hours of previously unseen footage shot in January 1969, as well as more than 150 hours of unheard audio. We probably have 150 hours of unheard audio of the tune-up. Um, at this point. The trailer chronicles, and it's essentially the last dance, but for the Beatles, which is very exciting. It's a four-part thing. It's coming to Disney Plus in November, and it highlights the final days of the Fab Four. Um, as I said, the project's set to come out in November on Disney Plus. Uh, but, Benny, what are you most excited? For me, the most exciting part was seeing the Yoko Ono storyline just woven in there with John Lennon. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it even said it in the write-up of it is a lot of the narrative surrounding the the late-stage Beatles stuff is kind of, like, negative. It's, like, you know, fighting and pre-ending and Maharishi and kind of the real dramatic stuff that people started hanging on to. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to come through in the film as I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, Instantly, I was like drawn to, like you said, the John, uh, uh, John and Yoko thing and like how they were obviously like, you know, tied together at that point. But it also looks like a comfortable scenario. Like and the more and more the stories get told, you see this real like kind of uh, genuine thing between the Beatles themselves as people, particularly kind of with John and Paul. You sort of see like like this shining through of this like true kind of next level friendship and stuff like that. And, you know, when they flash back to them as little kids and then seeing them like that as men, grownups, I, 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 I was four minutes in a documentary. I was crying. And I think Peter Jackson, I'm assuming like he's going to take the Samwise and Frodo approach, keep them on a rock 
and have me in dramatic suspense <laughs> for like most of the film and probably have me bawling, crying like a baby by the end. But I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I love Peter Jackson. I love the Beatles. I love the narrative and the more authentic footage you can get of it without people adding their own narratives around it is great. And I can't wait to see it. You know, I think as more and more of these things come out, I think we're starting to learn. Well, it's like, I feel like when you have like an inside seat in like sports and entertainment, you see that when there's a, a separation, most of the time, it's not because these guys don't like each other. It's because things sometimes just run their natural course. You know, I, we see this with great teams all, all, all the time. And I think kind of the same thing just happened with the Beatles. Like there's yeah. like there doesn't always have to be hostility. Um, I think that's kind of very much built on, on the story narratives, you know, that we've heard all through time. But, you know, sometimes things can just go their course. And it seems from all, all the interviews that they have in this four minute chunk, I'm going to be excited to see the whole thing. It seems that's like what kind of happened here. Guys just wanted to do their own thing creatively. And that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, particularly like like we said, when you're I mean, there is something, you know, I've seen firsthand that people need to understand. It wasn't my experience, but I've seen it a lot, which is some people literally go from some late stage adolescence to rock star, mm. you know, like some people really do miss the period of like, Oh, I went to college. I <laughs> got a job here for a while. I had a kid like some people slip right into it from like 16, 17 into the whole thing. And I think it's really easy to, you know, ride s waves when you're a certain age, but at some point things slow down and you start looking at it and it takes a very unique group of people to be able to keep working the entire time through that and like pushing through it and having enough self-awareness to keep it good. Um, I mean, I empathize with that story a lot. So uh, yeah, no, I think that's a real part of it. And you know, I ask this question a lot, like go through the list of like, say the 27 club, you know, the great artists who died at 27 and try to imagine them as artists in their fifties, yeah. you know, like what if just, I'm not, I don't think he would. Now I'm not even going to invoke Kurt Cobain's name right. in that way. Let me think of another one. Like Amy Winehouse. Let's say, no, let's say, let's take this Jim Morrison. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's say Jim Morrison made it to like 55 yeah. and just went full Clint Eastwood, Ted Nugent on us. You know, he was like from Southern California, mm. white guy, who knows? Yeah. He might've started riding the train. Like there's some stuff that, uh, you know, that narrative doesn't always play out the way you want it to. So I think people need to, I think every great band has a section of their body of work that is so obviously when the thing was just clicking mm -hmm. same way. And as far as a sports podcast is concerned, the same way there's like these magic variables and varieties that go into championship seams. Yeah. You can go through any championship season in the history of championship seasons and find literal inches that, you know, change the fact if it is or it isn't. And you really can't quantify that. And there are periods the same way with bands that, you just have this magical period of time. Things are right. Chemistries, all the weird things that A&R guys and, uh, you know, uh, general managers and Billy Beans and things, mm. the things they try to quantify so badly that you really can't because yeah. the things especially that go into it with music are upbringing, uh, you know, what kind of personality types people have their shared goals, uh, timing of the industries and their personal tastes and things like that. Like you start putting that in a bucket and swirling it around. Can't make any fucking sense of it. You just got to know it's good when it's there. Right. And that's why I wish people would uh, appreciate those moments in artists careers more than like taking them apart. Like when a band is flying high, when an artist is flying high and they're doing their thing and uh, you know, Try to run with it. It doesn't last forever. Right, exactly. I think the most interesting thing that, that you said there is a, is about the transition from like adolescence to adulthood. 
you know, Gaslight started and really took off in like your later 20s. Everybody, when they're an, an adult, they kind of build their own family, their own support group. How do you like do that and find the people that are reliable when you're touring and, and in this kind of really pressure cooker? It's tricky. Yeah. You know, it, it's tricky. And I think a lot of artists go home and find themselves in the grind of certain things and, and realize, you know, a lot about what they're capable of and what uh, their real desires are. And a lot of this falls apart when it gets to that point. So as far as a roadmap is concerned, fuck, like I'm on the actual path myself. So if I was sitting here telling <laughs> someone the roadmap, I'd be saying I have it all figured out. And I certainly don't. It's a it's a really hard balance. I mean, even as something as simple as, uh, um, you know, sleep. I'm playing a show this Friday and I'm going to start playing when I am firmly usually in sweatpants, <laughs> like, like straight up, like, all right, it's been quiet in my house for two hours and I can finally like close my eyes kind of mode. And then, like I said, you got to run up on stage and you got to do this. And it's like, those things can conflict. There's a lot about the lifestyle that's hard. So, you know, actually, you know, in a roundabout way, I think the only way to make it work in what you're talking about is, as far as like a family is setting is you do need support and you need mutual trust, you know, like uh, you need someone at home that knows they're uh, valued and respected and appreciated and you need someone on the road who does their job and doesn't get in unnecessary trouble and doesn't get themselves in unnecessary shit. So the people at home know they can trust them and you're out there doing your job and enjoying yourself and nothing more because that's a big problem with it. You know, like the type of man or woman who has a tendency to go out in Cleveland and get blackout drunk and forget to text back home. That's a fucking problem. You got to do it 10 out of 10 times to like make sure that your fucking cable is strong, you know? So like that's, it, it's, I think it's a lot of discipline maybe from the artist side and then like a lot of trust and faith and strength from the home side, you know, to kind of like make it work, at least in my experience. I think people are going to learn a lot about what it's like to actually be in a band. Like people like myself that just watch it from the outside are going to learn a lot about what it's like to actually be in a band watching this documentary right here. So, yeah, can't wait. Well, Benny, you talked about being tethered to home and connected to your group and your support group. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving, who I'm not oh, yeah. sure what group he's tethered to, but it's certainly not with the rational thinking. Uh, so, you know, we've been talking about Kyrie the past few weeks because this situation in the NBA has evolved. Kyrie Irving and uh, still not allowed to participate with the Brooklyn Nets because of New York City vaccine laws. He refuses to get vaccinated. So you're kind of caught up leading up to Wednesday. So on Wednesday, Kyrie Irving uh, said that he still hopes to return to play for the Brooklyn Nets. But that quote, this is about my life and what I'm choosing to do, uh, choosing to do being remaining unvaccinated uh irving took on ig live challenged the media because you know he feels personally attacked by this stance uh and he said that he is neither pro-vaccine nor anti-vaccine that he fully oh. understands the ramifications of his decision uh he's he also said earlier that he's trying to give a voice to the voiceless and the people that have lost their jobs because they chose not to get vaccinated uh, we've got one more quote in here, and then we'll, I'll open it, it up to Benny. Uh, he went on to talk about the money. He said because he's foregoing a $187 million extension that the Nets took off the table on Wednesday. Uh, the financial consequences, Irving says, I know I do not want to even do that, uh, but it is a reality, reality that in order to be in New York City, in order to be on the team, I have to be vaccinated. I choose to be unvaccinated. And that was my choice. And I ask that you all respect my choice. Um, it's kind of hard to respect the guy's choice <laughs> when it flies in the face of being a good teammate. But, Benny, this situation, since we last did the pod, has completely evolved. Uh, yeah. Do you think that this has caused a irreparable tension between him and the rest of the Nets? Um, are we talking, are we talking uh, what, top brass or players? 
all the players. Because I think at the end of the day, that's probably the most important thing. That's the most important relationships he has on that team. I mean, I have to imagine it has. Yeah. You know, I and part of the reason is this is like sometimes we've talked about it a lot on here. I've even been a Kyrie apologist a bunch of times because I'm a punk rocker. I'm a rabble rouser. And I kind of immediately, you know, start siding with the people who are like one against a hundred. It's <laughs> just, you know, like when I used to work with kids, I would spot out the awkward kid with the rat tail and I'd be like, yo, that's my boy. I'm going to help him out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like there is a part of me that like wants, I kind of enjoy it. I like when people fuck with the whole <laughs> thing. And, and there was a part of me for a long time that thought Kyrie like got the joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like during the flat earth thing, I really thought, cause when, when he speaks, he speaks eloquently enough and references it enough where I'm like, okay, He's smart enough that I think he's fucking with everybody. And it's kind of funny. Like, even if he read like one article, it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'm going to put this on Twitter and just like fucking rile people up by saying I'm a flat earther or something, you know. But as the years go on here, you know, uh, and, you know, situation after situation come up, we, you know, we have like a lot of historical precedents now and when the culmination is this IG live thing, I listen to it and I listen to it with open ears. Cause I'm like, does he have anything really interesting or poignant to say? And I turned it off and just went like, what? I don't know what he's talking about. And I really think like a lot of the time he's, he uses these like catch phrases, like voice for the voiceless. And like, I stand up for, working people but i won't do this which helps a lot of fucking working people and you know i it's almost as if like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth sometimes where i i am open to his argument if i felt he had a good one and i don't i think he's just like doing this and maybe there's some shit behind the scenes uh, you know, like, I don't know if there could be like a religious element to it. I mean, maybe because I know he's like a devout um, religious man. Uh, so that stuff, it just like confuses me. Um, I think the Nets made a good move by uh, just advancing past this for the current season, you know, saying like, we're just focusing on the guys we have. This is what we're going into. Uh, obviously we can't extend this person anymore because it's just become so volatile, like over the years and so polarizing. So I like that the Nets did that. Um, and, and I stand here as a, as a sort of upset Nets fan that the thing I wanted, I don't think will ever culminate now. You know, I was optimistic it would for a long time and now I don't. One thing I got to bring up and I even pose it to you as an open question, right? is we can say all this and take our sides on it. Is there simply something we cannot understand about the situation because we're not black Americans as far as a vaccine is concerned? Like, like I can never take a time in my own family's personal history where the U S government had like tested on my people, experimented on my people, basically like you know used my people to figure out all sorts of different things like that th that happened and it happened it's not like ancient history that it happened so you know my relationship with uh science and the american government and stuff like i don't think they're out after me you know but mm. i also have no historical precedence to think that so is that an element that a lot of the pundits need to discuss as part of this i mean i don't think it's up for us to decide that i mean i feel like people that look like us kind of come from art like like we have zero experience w with this so to sit up here and 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 talk about uh why Kyrie is feeling th this way thinking that we have a pulse on what black america is feeling would be highly ir irresponsible with that said i believe Kyrie Irving, 
uh, in the last couple of years, lost one of his parents. I seem to remember reading this. I thought it was his mother passed away. So if you are a professional athlete and you are sitting up here and you're look and the the pressure from everyone, the the media, the fans, the organization is you have to be the guy. We're paying you all of the money. We want you to be the guy that hit the 2017 NBA Finals game winner. We want you to be that guy all the time. I think that has a residual mental effects on you because if you're processing grief in real time and you have this expectation, I think it can all be a lot for somebody so that when you're going through your day, your mind is swirling. It's not quite like you have ADHD, but it's hard to kind of keep things straight. So you go from one thing to the other and it's It is a a wave that Kyrie Irving is surfing. And I'm not trying to apologize for the guy. I just think that this guy's going through it. We've seen this. So I think that to have empathy for what this guy's dealing with and hope that he can find his way through it in the public light is the best way to go about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, and that's where you just got to simply separate sports and life you know, yeah. the, I mean, the, just the one, but the one part about it that Kyrie does always sort of fails to recognize is kind of something I had to learn the hard way too. Is when you're when you're paid this much money and you're on a you know high level team with all these other high level players and things like that, like the questions about your performance in reference to your personal life. It's not an intrusion. You know what I mean? Like it's an intrusion if you're going out there and playing 82 games and seemingly like, you know, doing exactly what your job entails. And then someone starts asking about, you know, fucked up stuff about your personal life. That's not cool. But if it's like decisions about your personal life that are dictating what happens with the team, it's kind of fair game, you know? So this whole idea about the respect for his like privacy in regard to this is like, eh, you know, wrong business. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like certain people like, you know, you get privacy if you're at least like doing some level of your job, you know, and just currently he's not doing his job. Yeah. He's not playing basketball. <laughs> which is the reason he's paid that much. So, you know, like, sorry about that part, Kyrie. Like, yeah. you know, I even got to deal with it. And I'm like a, <laughs> is an R-list celebrity, you know? <laughs> like, and I can't even make a tweet without someone talking shit, you know? It's just whatever. It's part of it, dude. Yeah, you know, I know that I killed him at the top of it, kind of had empathy in the middle, but his entire platform... That he now it's the arrogance. If 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 he would have just come out and 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 been real and been able to check in with himself and say, hey, here here's what's going on with me mentally, rather than trying to act superior. It's a superiority complex that I think gets people when he tries to act all high, high and mighty. And it's like, no, your platform comes because you're a basketball player, not right an activist. So I think that you know, but he's. He, he's getting love from a particular side of this conversation and he's getting hate from the other side. And will you know, when when he needs the NBA and, and his brethren to come together, let's see what side of the people that are supporting him right now are going to be there. Hey, you can go on like a parlor you know, elephant hunting trips with with Don Jr. Now, <laughs> you know, maybe that's going to be part of his new new routine. Kyrie's going to go. Listen. Start hanging out with Ted Cruz and Don Jr. He's he's gonna go full Ted Nugent soon. Oh man, that's that's rough. That's rough. Eh? <laughs> hey, he's already got the beard. Sorry, Kyrie. <laughs> like this is this is what I'm saying. You know, you're open to this now. By the way, I don't ash- put me don't put me on YouTube. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Uh, no, I'll do. Come on, I'm I. Punk rock drummer blast <laughs> reacts. <laughs> Punk rock. That that I cringe every time I do that, but that's just how the algorithm works. No, I you know sometimes I surprise myself even on 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 this pod. I was expecting to come into this segment and like just rock Kyrie, but yeah, you, you know I feel bad. I feel bad for him, man. Yeah, 
found some warmth. Oof. Like, like we talk, like, listen, they're, they're kids, man. A lot of these guys yeah. are kids. You know, I didn't see it when I was a kid myself, but it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot that comes to this and yeah, you're right. It, let's, let's, let's try to see the, uh, the bright side of things, even as a Nets fan. Is this well, what Let's optimism? get ready for lots of Patty Mills oh. and Javon Carter. Dude, that's, that, that's such a good signing. Like, oh. What an optimistic mean. episode this turn. Man, my heart feels warm. It, it almost feels like when I watch Ted Lasso. You know what'll ice <laughs> down your heart real good? Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, speaking of Ben Simmons, oh my goodness, this guy. Now, there's no excuse for this guy. I'm not, there's no compassion in my heart for Ben Simmons Uh-oh. right now. Here, here is the situation in Philadelphia. So we talked about Ben Simmons last week, right? And just randomly, over the weekend, Ben Simmons shows up at the Sixers practice facility like the kid that ran away from home. And, you know, he he ran out of his allowance money, came back, took his COVID test. Uh, After all the reports that he moved his stuff out of his Philadelphia apartment, was back in L.A., wouldn't welcome his teammates to see him. Now he wants to come, come back, hat in hand, be like, hey, guys, can I play too? Anyway, Benny, crazy situation. Doc Rivers, Dal Morey having to answer for this all week. Still up in the air about whether Ben will actually play for the Sixers. But what do you make of Ben Simmons coming back, Philadelphia, just showing up randomly? <laughs> He's going to play. Yeah. You know, like I, like I think now all signs point to the fact that, like, probably wants to play a season. If the point of his playing is, you know, uh, you know, there could be a behind the scenes kind of thing going on right now with his agents and him saying, hey, let me back. Let me fucking ball for like a month or two and we'll all be in a better situation because then Ben Simmons can maybe go to a team he actually wants to go to and Philly can get the required value for him, which currently doesn't exist. Right. So him playing has always been the mutually beneficial thing. For everyone, as long as there's an agreement in place that he's going to go. But that being said, if we're two months into the season and he's playing that well, there's still Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and that team and Doc Rivers coaching. They start looking like an NBA Finals, you know, uh, caliber team, which is possible. Then he maybe he stays and that, you know, like Philly fans are all of a sudden cheering for him and uh you know, all of a sudden this, this contract looks a little better and everybody's happy. Like, it's possible. And the only, there is historical precedence. I mean, remember when Kobe, you know, was uh, saying that he was basically signed to the Bulls and, you know, getting a place in Chicago and would never play uh, another minute of basketball for the Lakers again. I'm pretty sure he was, like, quoted close to saying something like that and won a championship that season. Yeah. So, you know, like it happens and it's a lot of fucking money. And, you know, the fact that a bunch of people got in a room, Ben Simmons, his agents, all the Philly people are just like, hey, like, hey, you know, here's still kind of the best situation for you. And let's, you know, let's give it six weeks. And if you still hate it, we'll redo this meeting and then we'll try to get something for you, you know? I think the eye on the prize here is how the Portland Trailblazers start. And why is that? Because, you know, Dal Murray wants to be Lillard. bad. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. But I think the entire objective, I you know, if you kind of look at it from all sides. Okay, so why did Ben Simmons do this? Clutch Sports has him going back to keep his value up. But, then, but I guarantee Rich Paul is also like, just shoot every time you touch the ball. Be a real dick about it. Like, who was that player that uh, in, I, th- I believe it was with the Timberwolves a couple years ago, uh, you know, they did not want to be in Minnesota. Not Jimmy Butler. Uh, it, it was somebody else that got dealt there, didn't want to be there. So they go in the practice and they shot every time they touch the ball. That's going to be what Ben Simmons does in Philadelphia. So that's why it, it makes sense for Ben to be in the gym with the Sixers from clutch perspectives. Uh, why yeah. would the Sixers allow him back to keep that value up. Uh, So I think for both sides, this is the best case scenario right now. And, you know, both sides have to uh, sit on their pride a little bit here because uh, Maury said stuff, Doc said stuff, and Bede said stuff. Everybody has said stuff. And, you know, Ben Simmons hasn't been public, 
but his actions have said a lot about the Philadelphia 76ers. You know what this makes me wonder, too? Remember how maybe about a week ago when Bead, you know, started tweeting out, oh, you know, we're better with Ben Simmons and, you know, like, uh, you know, he's he's a great player. No, it's not it's not me that doesn't want him here. Maybe him and maybe him and Ben were finally talking and he's like, hey, I'm coming back. So maybe cover your tracks a little bit. Well, speaking of someone that didn't cover their tracks, John Gruden. Bad segue. Bad segue. Really bad segue. I like it. Okay. I like it. Uh, All right. So this past week, you know, normally we only do the football during the pick segment, right? But we had a story that rocked the sporting world. So John Gruden stepped down on Monday as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders hours after the New York Times detailed emails in which he made homophobic and misogynistic remarks. This followed an earlier report of racist statements about the union leader of the NFLPA. His resignation was a striking departure uh, from the Football League for a coach who had won a Super Bowl, been a marquee analyst on ESPN for the NFL in 2018 that led to him coming back to coaching. All of this, all of these email remarks came in 2011, but Benny, there has been speculation that there is something greater at play here. There's been speculation about comments he made about Roger Goodell, and those were the comments that ultimately led to him being let go by the Raiders. What do you make of this whole thing? It is a shit show, but Hmm. I don't know where this leaves uh, the Raiders and the NFL, but John Gruden's never coaching again. Oh, he's not only never coaching again. He's gone. Yeah. He's just like now gone from culture and one of the reasons he is is because like how thin these fucking remarks are you know like um here's the thing for me like i i am someone who believes in redemption i am someone who thinks people can change i i believe in rehabilitation i believe in people i have to if you don't you believe in damnation you know (laughs) but in this case, we're talking about an old ass man and we're talking about a lot of stuff like the thing that is shocking to me about this is you're writing emails yeah. like, you know, and and if you're willing to say those types of things in emails to, to other people in the league that you work with, like like your actual colleagues, if you're willing to put that in. And you're a grown, grown adult. I mean, you're not only you're, you're in your what is he in his 60s? Close. You know, 50s, 60s, something like what the fuck is that guy saying in, in private company? What does he really think? What are his real intentions? They're way worse. So this is one of those situations where, like, I mean, I think it's like so cut and dry between what we saw him say the super cavalier way in which he said it and presented it and the really, really thin nature of his non-apology uh, just really lends itself to the fact that this is most certainly what this person is. Yeah. And to me, I have no interest in redemption or ever seeing John Gruden again. Like yeah. I have no interest and I don't think he should be around. So I'm glad he's gone. Uh, I'm glad it was swift action, but the one big thing about this and the one big, but is there's a lot. It seems as if like, this is kind of the tip of the iceberg, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And you know, the types of things they're talking about with, uh, literal like nude photos of of cheerleaders and, uh, the types of stuff that was going between us over like, hundreds of what 600,000 emails or something like that are being combed over. Like, I, I think this is, you know, a lot is going to come out in the next couple of weeks. And this story is going to roll like right through the season. Probably like there's a lot more to come. Right. I mean, this is football culture. This is why we collectively, yeah. I feel like don't watch the NFL really outside of doing these picks because listen, I've been around a lot of people that have been involved with the NFL, front office people, coaches, former players. There is a level that you need to conduct yourself in that league, and I think there's a lot of peer pressure that goes into acting, and it's very much that machismo thing. 
and I can't stand it. And I don't even think John Gruen is the worst of it, to be honest with you. I think right. that this is a issue that sweeps all throughout the league. Mm. Um, and it's not even just a like an NFL thing. It's a football problem. I mean, we, we've so, talked so about... So let me ask you this. So, so the thing that I took as John Gruden being Cavalier, was it Cavalier because it was such common practice yes. among him and his colleagues? Yes, 100%. Oh, it's terrifying. I mean... Listen, I can't tell you the amount of people that I've worked with that used to be in the league and the way it's just like there there's a way that you and I go about our daily life and try and be respectful of people and 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 open and just have a common caring. I can't even quantify how these people act. It is a it's it's a really uncomfortable situation. I yeah. applaud any woman that has had to deal with this league and this culture for as long as they have. And quite frankly, I don't know why they still do. But John Gruden, like this is the most common thing. Like 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 the things that he was saying and doing. I'm like, oh yeah, I've I've heard that. I've been around it, and it's filthy. I'm happy. I'm I'm with a different league now. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bunch of games to get to here. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, we have a big matchup, a Florida matchup. Dolphins at Jags. Dolphins minus three. Benny, what do you like here? Well, not not what they uh, not what they planned for for their London game, was it? <laughs> oh, Having Miami we're back to London this year. Yikes! 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 But uh, for some reason, I, you know, Miami just seems so bad. I think this is the week Jacksonville looks like they turn it around. They're not going to turn it around because they will lose in the subsequent weeks, but they will win this game. I believe that Tua is back this week, so we will see. Give me the Dolphins minus three. Okay. Texans at Colts. Colts minus 10. That's a huge number, but it is a Texans. Benny, what do you like here? You know, this isn't uh, any indication of me believing in the Texans. It's believing a little less in the Colts. I'm yeah. not a Carson Wentz guy. Uh, I think he's just kind of a placeholder there. So I, I think in this this next week, since he had such a strong game last week, that Houston's going to at least keep it close. I have no idea if they win, but going to keep it close. You know, I want to go with that. You know, the Texans played it tight with the Patriots last week. But with that said, uh, Wentz last week went through for 402 yards against Baltimore. Uh, and had a strong second half. I like for the Colts to keep that going. Give me the Colts minus 10. I know that I'm going to regret that instantly, but who cares? It's picks. Uh, Packers at Bears. Packers minus four and a half. Benny, what do you like? Bears keep it rolling. Justin Fields back. I think they're a better team than people are giving them credit for. I have a feeling they're going to show up. I like the Bears. We've kind of flip-flopped on the Bears here. I love that Bears defense. Um, Packers barely got by last week, but I'm still going to go with them because, you know, we've talked about in these uh, in these Giants-Cowboys, Giants-Eagles rivalries where anything can happen. Truly anything can happen when the Packers and Bears get together. This number isn't steep enough that I'm scared of it, so give me Packers minus 4.5. Chiefs. Washington football team, Chiefs minus six and a half, and that number is slowly rising. Benny, what do you like here? Yeah, I mean, this is just a tale of narratives. Yeah. Kansas City desperately needs kind of a, you know, bounce back win in a convincing fashion, and Washington football team has just been dragged through the media circus all week and will continue to do so. So this is Chiefs all the way. Yeah, you know, people have been starting to doubt Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and the Washington football team is the cure for your bad narrative. Give me that Chiefs yeah. minus six and a half. Vikings at Panthers. Panthers minus one and a half. Betting, what do you like here? Still no McCaffrey. So in like a give him, pick him kind of game, I'm, I'm still going Vikings. Yeah, it's going to be a toss up here. I had Minnesota, uh, but... Um, Carolina leads the NFL in run and pass defense. Give me Carolina here. Chargers, Ravens, Ravens minus three. Benny, what do you like here? It's a tough one. Mm. You know, it's it's so easy to to ride the Lamar Jackson train from last week, but such a tight game, uh, such a tough game over, you know, 
what I think is like kind of an average team. The Chargers uh, are really shaping up to be a nice program. I think they're going to maybe come in there and really dismantle the Ravens a little bit. I like the Chargers. Yeah, give me that Chargers too. Chargers 4-1. and one. Herbert's look great. Um, boy, the, the surprises from that QB draft class keep on rolling through. So give me the Chargers. Uh, Rams, Giants, Rams minus nine and a half against Big Blue. Benny, what do you like? <laughs> it's getting sadder and sadder. It is. But if there's one thing we have, you know, the Giants, as we noted in the preseason, have made, you know, no efforts whatsoever to fill the quarterback position past Daniel Jones. And at least one of the bright spots of the Giants season, one of the few bright spots of the Giants season has been Daniel Jones himself. He's a uh, functional quarterback. He's running the offense. All of his weapons are hurt again. Um, so I'm riding the DJ train. You know, I don't like calling him, what do they call him, Danny Dimes? Danny I don't Dimes, like that yeah. because Daniel Jones is like the whitest fucking kid ever, <laughs> and I don't even want him to have a cool nickname. He doesn't deserve <laughs> it. He your nickname. But uh, I like the Giants to cover this massive spread. Benny, you are not built for this life. It is always go with your predictions over your team every single day of the week. Uh, you had the Rams going to the Super Bowl. I'm going to stick with your pick. Rams minus nine and a half, please. I know, I know. Listen, big blues in the heart. It's tough. It's tough. Can't, can't front. Oh, Bengals and Lions. Bengals minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like here? I'm, I'm riding the Joe train. Mm-hmm. Choo-choo. I'm a, I'm a Joe Burrow guy now. I, Drafted him in fantasy. He's uh, leading me to a surprising season. I did not expect my team to survive with the likes of Joe Burrow and uh, Corderell Patterson. You know, this has uh, been a fun one. So I'm riding my boy because, uh, you know, Lions kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, Lions pass defense remains terrible. Expect for this to be a big day for Joe. Bengals minus three and a half. Give it to me. All right, Cardinals at Browns. Browns minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like here? I like the Cardinals by yeah. a lot. I think, uh, you know, the Browns might be able to wrap up, you know, Kyler a little bit and keep it under, you know, I don't know, 30, 25 points, something like that. But I don't like the Browns to score a lot of points in this game. So I like the cards all the way. An MVP favorite as a road dog. Ooh, give me that right now. Give me them Cardinals. <laughs> Come on. Cowboys at Patriots. Cowboys minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like here? Cowboys are rolling. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate to say it. Yeah. But it's a dynamic offense, really, truly dynamic offense that I think is just going to put up all season. I don't think New England has enough on the other side of the ball to keep up. I like Dallas. Patriots defense is great. Dak's been better. Ten touchdowns in his last three. Give me Dallas here. Oakland, after their tumultuous week, Raiders at Broncos. Broncos minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like? Oh, it's always one of those tough ones, right? Like, is the is the team fired up because of what happened? Are they are they despondent? I have no idea who the special teams coach who came in <laughs> and is running the team now is like. So it's just, you know, as a betting man, I, I'm not going with a horse I don't know anything about. And the Raiders are a mystery horse this week. So got to go with the Broncos. Yeah, before this story, it was Broncos minus two and a half. Now it's Broncos minus three and a half. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Moving it's still, as we speak. It's still under a touchdown. And by the time the weekend comes, it's probably going to be higher. Give me Broncos minus three and a half. All right. A, probably the hardest game to pick this weekend, Seahawks at Steelers. Uh, Seahawks last in defense. Steelers a complete train wreck. Benny, Seahawks minus five. What do you like? Yeah, it's tough right now. I, I kind of actually am leaning Steelers in this one because of the the low point of the Seahawks at this point, and I don't know if they can get it together. So I, I like the Steelers. Yeah, that 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 minus five number is pretty crazy. I, I think it's going to be a tight one, though the Steelers have burned me time and time again. But, you know, I'm ready to get hurt again. Give me the Steelers minus five. <laughs> All right, last one today, the team that circles the wagons like nobody else. The Buffalo Bills at Tennessee. Bills minus five and a half. Benny, what do you like? Who's who's getting off to Tonka? I'm not getting. <laughs> I'm not getting off the train. I'm not getting off the Bills train. Yeah, they're riding high. I'm sticking with the Bills this week. Easy. 
Bills, after last week, going into Kansas City, winning by 18 points. Clearly best team in football right now. I like them to keep it rolling. This minus 5.5 is free money. Yeah. All right, that's our picks for week six. Oh, I didn't even share with the audience how we're doing because last yeah, week was on. so bad. Dude, let me tell you how bad this was. <laughs> as uh, bad as Derek Carr's wrist tattoo? Uh, yeah, yes. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> Benny was 4-11. and 11, I was 6-9. and nine. On the season, Benny is 29-31. and 31. I am 28-32. and 32. So even if we're below 500, this is going to be a tight one all the way through. Yeah, I mean... Below five hundred. So if you're if you're a DraftKings spender, maybe wait till next week to fall. <laughs> to be fair though, how many years of doing prime time was Berman below five hundred or, or around the five hundred? So I feel like as oh. long as you're around five hundred, you're doing pretty good. That's true. That's true. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuneup podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to see all of our content, we're at the tuneup HQ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh sub- like, subscribe, and review uh, to the pilot in, in Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. The tune-up on YouTube as well. Be sure to subscribe there. We're, we're everywhere. If there's a social media platform that we are not on, tell me, and I'll get it there. Except for Parlor, Not going there. If you want to follow <laughs> Big Man, he is at Benny Horowitz1. Number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Benny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, ever just tune into this WNBA playoffs. Oh yes, it's fun. Oh my Goodness gosh, gracious. you waited till the end Tarazi, of the show. Tarasi last night, woo! Fired up. Come on, so much fun. The show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to the Tune Up.